Hello, Acaville Radio, and welcome to our first episode of Tacapella after a brief hiatus. As I said, this is Tacapella. It's a podcast for the acapella community where we examine the culture as well as the ins and outs of vocal music, along with the people who are working to shape it. I'm one half of your hosts, Alicia Edwards, and this is starting out to be my saddest episode yet. You don't know yet, but unfortunately, Brian Alexander, my dear friend, is unable to continue co-hosting with me. When he told me, I literally cried. Fortunately, we are in the works of bringing on a new co-host, and I'm really excited for what comes next for us. You should keep your ears and eyes out, like on social media, because I imagine you're going to hear sometime in the coming weeks who will be joining me on a more permanent basis. But for now, you get to spend the evening with me, myself, and I, and our guest. So even though this episode has started out kind of difficult for me, it certainly won't end that way. I am incredibly excited to be hosting this episode solo. And joining us today is an incredibly talented vocal coach, and I'm going to call him an acapella connoisseur from San Francisco, (laughs) Robert Lee. Robert, how are you doing on this fine evening? I am doing great. And I wanted to shout out to you and to Brian for crushing the game. Brian, wherever you are, we're going to miss you, my friend. He's in Texas. But Alicia, you're going to crush it. So let's start with some easy stuff. Can you tell, I mean, I've done a little bit of research, but can you share with our guests some more about your musical background and how you initially got involved in acapella? I think for a lot of us singers, it's kind of hard to know when we started. Mm -hmm. I like to say that my parents never told me to shut up. So I had a very supportive family (laughs) growing up in a musical household. I joined a school choir at the age of five. Of course, it wasn't my choice back then, but it was such a gift. We had this wonderful director, Phoebe Lamb, wherever you are, bless your heart. Thanks for getting me started, who created a very nurturing environment for young musicians. I made so many lifelong friends in that chorus that I am still friends with today. And that was back in elementary school. I continued through with the choral programs in school all the way to the end of high school without missing a single year. Even through switching schools and all that kind of stuff, choir was sort of my rock socially and also it was a big part of my identity as I grew up. My first exposure to acapella came in middle school. This is, by the way, I should say this was all in Hong Kong. So I I, I grew up in Hong Kong, born and raised all the way through until college. We had a a music teacher visit from Australia and she joined our school program when I was in middle school and she brought with her an acapella background. And so she started a select invite only jazz group. Oh, It was a vocal jazz group. It wasn't strictly acapella, but it was vocal jazz. And that was the first time I'd ever done anything sort of small group acapella. So you were selected for that is what you're saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm sure that felt pretty good. (laughs) What felt even better was that I was the only one from my year group. She picked a bunch of students from the upper year group and she was like, we need Uh one more person to round this out. I'm going to pick this guy. And so I felt you were a big deal back in middle school at, at the very least. And I completely peaked them. I was going to say, that's not to say that you're not a big deal now. I mean, you've done a lot. So I, I mean, knowing that you started as young as you did that, I can't say that surprises me, but I am impressed with from what I have seen, at least in your background. And I'm really glad that you shared with us how you initially got involved in specifically acapella, mm-hmm. because as much research as I did, I couldn't find that little tidbit of information. So I, I was planning on asking you that if we didn't get to it. So thank you for sharing. <laughs> Can you share with us, really, because I'm just curious, how vocal music and acapella, from your perspective, differs between Hong Kong and the US? Absolutely. And I'll start by saying that I think acapella 
in Asia has come a super, super long way. I haven't really kept too much in touch with what's going on over there. But I remember when I was growing up in Hong Kong, and I wasn't really super connected to anything broader than just my school in acapella, mm-hmm. but we were really looking towards, especially the US, for how things were done. Okay. So it was the Australian teacher who came to our school who brought acapella for the first time. And then I started watching The Sing-Off, which showed up on oh, my yeah. YouTube uh-huh. recommendations. And I was just so incredibly inspired by these musicians who were making these incredible mm-hmm. sounds with no instruments and really sort of pushing the boundaries of what was possible. I remember thinking, as a singer, this is the next level for me. Like in the choir, mm-hmm. you can sort of hold back and sort of be in the background. But with acapella... You have lots of responsibility and you're expected to take on more versatile parts and all this kind of stuff. So for me, that was kind of holy grail. Okay. I have to ask, was there a specific group, a group singing a certain number that really piqued your interest and you were like, this is it? (laughs) I was a huge fan of Afro Blue. I think given that I was already doing jazz acapella, I saw Afro Blue come on the scene. Reggie with his bass lines, oh my word, Mm -hmm. completely blew my mind. That was when I started picking up like singing I was going to say, I I mean, I love bass in general. Oh, so you sing bass? I sing tenor. Okay, I was going to say, I I thought from watching some of the videos that I've I've seen you (laughs) and that your voice was a little bit higher than bass, but I'm impressed if you can also sing bass. I was such a fan. I was just mimicking. And I think that's how I learned a lot of it was there wasn't a Mm -hmm. huge, I think, acapella scene in Hong Kong. And so what I tried to do was I just got together groups of friends and we would just maybe try to arrange on the spot or we would find a pentatonics chart or an Mm -hmm. idea of North chart. They're an Australian group. And so we would find all these charts and just sort of smash our way through them. And that's that's how I picked up my directing skills. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And you've done... I mean, from what I've gathered, a lot of directing, which we will get into. Now, total confession, I was really, really hoping that you were going to name drop one of two groups Mm -hmm. where we've actually had one of their members on our show before. So I was just curious, uh, as far as the sing-off goes, I'm curious what season did you kind of step into watching that? I caught on in season two, but I back watched all of the videos that I could find. Yeah, We did have some previous guests on the show. We've had Amy Whitcomb Mm -hmm. from Delilah. And we've also had Chris Rupp from Home Free on the show. Both phenomenal people. I hope you all are doing great. And I wish you well wherever you are. I had a fanboy moment once. I was doing some recording with the Jabberwocks uh-huh. around University in back in Providence. And Joe, back then from Delilah also, super badass lady base. Huh? She kind yep. of showed up one day. Oh, I, gosh, think they I, were, I think they were dating back then. And I will tell you, I, I would have been fangirling. I completely I just lost, lost it. I completely lost it. Yeah. And I'm a lady base. So I totally appreciate <laughs> all the lady bases. So I know you are very involved in acapella and promoting it in the San Francisco Bay Area. You have a different, a couple different projects and organizations that you're involved with, to put it lightly. So can you share a little bit more with us about how you found, I'm going to like, pinpoint a little bit here how you found and got involved with songbird studios as well as what inspired you to start the vocal gym sure so flashback to 2019 i was working in tech at the time but outside of tech i was also singing in acapella and i had just come off of this awesome experience directing a show called Techapella. So Techapella okay. is a consortium of acapella groups that exist here in the Bay Area that are all based in tech companies. Mostly tech companies, but we are open okay. to other companies okay. as well. So we have the likes of Google Pella and Alphabet mm-hmm. from Google, right? And the Vocal Network from Facebook and lots and lots of great punny names. But directing Techapella <laughs> was the first time I'd ever worked with singers that I didn't personally know. Oh, okay. And it was a very nerve-wracking experience for me. It was sort of the first time that I really felt like 
something was at stake. I was going to learn something about myself, you know, whether this mm-hmm. landed or this, this didn't land. And it turned out really, really wonderfully. I had a really great time. Awesome. I felt like I was in a state of flow during the rehearsals. After the rehearsals, people told me I did a great job. And that was the first time that I really started to consider maybe my experience here is valid. Maybe, maybe I have some expertise in this area. At the same time, my company was going through reorganization and there was a date. It was February 1st. If you want to stay, we're going to find you a new role. But if you want to leave, February 1st is your last. Oh, wow. And tell me how much notice you had. I'm just curious. So this was like... I, I work in I work in human resources. So I like, I'm always fascinated by how companies do things. Yeah. So, so well, this was, I think it was October of 2019. Okay, so, so a little bit of time. And we had months until February 1st. Okay. So there was plenty of leeway. And at the time, I was taking voice lessons at Songbird Studios which is a singing school here in the Bay Area. And I mentioned to my voice coach, hey, I had this awesome experience, you know, with with Tacapella. And I'm looking maybe for something new because my company is reorging. I'm not totally sure what's out there. And he suggested, why don't you go into music? Are you seriously considering it? And by the way, if you are, I'll put you in touch with our head of recruitment. Wow. Um, And this was completely out of left field. I was not expecting to be given this opportunity nor attracted to this opportunity. Mm-hmm. But once the seed was planted, it was a tough internal battle for me going into the stability oh, of, of the next tech job versus uh-huh. going into my one-on-one practice. But at the end of the day, I decided this is going to be one of those things that if I don't do, I'll regret for the rest of my life not mm-hmm. trying. What if? So yeah, I started teaching at Songbird Studios and I would not have gotten into teaching had it not been for that pathway into the profession through Songbird Studios. That's awesome. Now tell me about the vocal gym. I know a little bit about it, but if you could also share with our listeners a little bit of background information on what the vocal gym is. Sure. I was at Songbird Studios for a little over a year. And outside Songbird Studios, I also had my own one-on-one practice. And throughout this time, I realized something that was resonant, at least with my own practice of singing and those around me, which was that consistency And just doing the thing often was the most important ingredient. It wasn't necessarily having the best coach in the world, although having good instruction makes a difference. But just singing and experimenting with your voice and having it be a part of your life not only makes you a better singer most of the time, but also brings you so much joy and so much other awesome things that I'm sure your listeners of your podcast know about. Lots of endorphins Lots and lots of endorphins. And so when the pandemic hit, all of the acapella groups around me, all the groups that I was in, went completely on pause. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do any singing for a while. And neither did a lot of people around me. Right. And so this kind of goes back to tech. It's been a a tough year and a half. Oh, it's been a tough year and a half. So I was looking at what was going on around me. I was looking to find ways to help people get back into singing. And this mm-hmm. all circles back to Tecapella. At this point, I'm the music director of Tecapella. I'm on the 501c3 board. And mm-hmm. so we were brainstorming ways to keep singers engaged. And I proposed the idea of running vocal warm-ups every Thursday. Let's just sing okay. a little bit every Thursday, right? So I was running these half-hour-long sessions. And we developed a pretty consistent crew. People were now, interested I, I in I assume these, these. Were, these were done virtually. These were all virtual, yeah. Okay. And so I would pull up a keyboard. I would just place on my own okay and okay. people would sing along with me and okay. along the way we were talking up we would talk about singing technique we would do some q a we would do a little mm-hmm. master classing super informal stuff but people were getting enough value out of this that i just that i thought maybe we could productize this and so that's when i decided to launch the vocal gym what is the vocal gym it's a community of budding singers we meet every monday night 6 15 pacific time for 45 minutes where we do a virtual vocal workout so 
I'll be leading or somebody else, other vocal coaches that I work with will be leading. And in a session, you would expect to get a vocal workout and also pick up some technique tips here and there. Every session is focused on a specific aspect of the voice. That's awesome. And so you are now, I mean, you're the founder and director of the vocal gym. Mm -hmm. I'm always impressed when I meet individuals who have taken like this true passion for music and they've started their own company and been successful with that. So kudos to you for that. I understand that you became a vocal coach. So this, I'm, I'm getting this from your bio. Uh-huh. I want to say it was on the vocal gym's website. So you became a vocal coach because you wanted to learn how to work with individual voices within an ensemble. If I'm picking up what you're throwing down there, this is something you're pretty passionate about. I'm curious, what advice would you give to directors who are working with an ensemble group when they have some voices that just tend to stick out like a sore thumb? That's a tough one because it's so individual and it really depends on what the group's sound is and what that individual is doing, right? That's where the disconnect is. If you have an ensemble of incredibly bright voices and you have one super dark voice, it might stick out. Mm -hmm. And if you have an ensemble of completely dark sounding voices or people who come, let's say, for example, from the choral tradition and Mm -hmm. learn how to sing with these super tall vowels like this, like they're (laughs) yawning all the time. And then you have that one kid who comes out with this kind of tone. That's going to be a problem. That's going to be problematic. Yeah. I went to uh, Next Level, which is this awesome week long acapella seminar put on by the vocal company. And I learned a trick there which is you can have all your singers sing on one vowel, like an mm-hmm. ah, for example. Ah is a super neutral vowel, but also has a really wide range. And you mm-hmm. can have all of them start on the ah and go on a unison note and then move to be really pingy and twangy and ah, and then go back, <laughs> all the way back, and then slowly, steadily come back to the middle. Ah, where the entire group is moving together. And doing that over time, I think every singer will discover where they fit on the spectrum and how Mm -hmm. to tamper their sound a little bit to fit the rest. That's beautiful. Thank you. And and I will say, I don't know. I've been co-hosting on the show for almost two years. And this is the first time I think I've heard any of our guests actually sing something. No way. In the show. I'm so serious. Everyone is holding back. I mean, everyone is holding back. It is called Tacapella, but... You're right. (laughs) No, I, I, I love that. So thank you for that. I feel like I'm learning a lot just talking to you. So pure selfish motives here. I really appreciate you being here. This next question is also from your bio. And I would be kicking myself if I didn't ask you this because I love to travel and I love to hear about music and different cultural aspects in different countries. So I noticed that Your bio says that you have also worked with various programs at Chinese International School Mm -hmm. when you travel to Hong Kong. Can you tell me just a little tidbit about that experience and how, if at all, you have incorporated acapella into those programs? Yeah, absolutely. So I should mention Chinese International School is my alma mater. Okay. That was a school that I so was describing this, there. this middle school experience. Okay. That's all Chinese international school. And so back in CIS, I did a lot of work as a student leader in the music program. In fact, there wasn't a student leadership program at all. I stepped in to try student conducting in the choir back in middle school. And I think that was what kicked off the music leadership program. So when I work 
with CIS, I, I went back to Hong Kong for a year during the pandemic and oh, taught a couple okay. workshops at CIS. I teach a student leadership program there. So taking mm-hmm. some of the principles that I've learned, my experiences back in school, but also my experience now running a business, we just talk about leadership principles. We talk about values and how to work as a team, just sort of a general leadership workshop for the kids there. I also, I ran a workshop called Rockapella. I co-ran this with the head of music there. He's an instrumentalist and I'm a vocalist. And what we did was, it was a rock band course, but we taught basic musical concepts, form, rhythm, ensemble, and stuff like that through acapella. Oh, that's awesome. We had these pop songs and we created very simple parts and we had the instrumentalists sing the parts. And then there wasn't a problem with the drummer being way too loud and not being able to hear anybody else. We could all (laughs) listen to each other and and be together singing. I mean, I I know a lot of drummers and they like to be loud. That they do, especially at that age. Whether it's on the drums or anything else. (laughs) (laughs) You were talking about leadership in the classes that you were teaching and teamwork, stuff like that. I feel like anyone you talk to, who's had any experience in acapella would agree that the experience in acapella teaches you how to work well with others, helps you develop your leadership skills. And I think a lot of the skills that you learn in acapella translate tremendously well in other aspects of your life. A hundred percent. I would totally, totally agree with that. And especially, I mean, I directed in college. I directed in college as a sophomore. And here I was coming into an acapella group that, first of all, I looked up to. When I applied to the colleges, I was like, there's mm-hmm. no way I'm going to be able to get into this group. I ended up getting into <laughs> it. And so I was starstruck from day one. But learning how to lead without authority, it's the ultimate boot camp. Leading with authority is, I feel like, much easier. But leading, especially at that age. Well, and with yeah, your peers, with I your feel peers. like that can be a huge challenge. Absolutely. I think like you want to make sure you, you want to be accepted. You're like, oh, what if I screw this up? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, and I think acapella has helped so many people with that. I would love to dive into some more, but it is unfortunately time for our first commercial break. But don't go anywhere because we will be right back on Tacapella. We at Acaville Radio are a social bunch. We like to perform and we like to be heard. If you want to hear from us, good news. We tweet, we Facebook, we Insta, all at Acaville Radio. Follow us and be kept up to date on all the latest in what we're playing, Aka News, and the groups we're interviewing. Or let us know what you're up to. We love hearing from you. We know you've got things to say. Don't be shy. Reach out and touch someone, namely Acaville Radio, on all major platforms at Acaville Radio. And welcome back to Tacapella. That's right. We are here with Robert Lee, and we've been having some fascinating conversation. And to kick things off in this segment, I have to ask... I've been sneaking around on the Vocal Gym's website. Mm -hmm. I kind of mentioned that earlier, but it says that y'all believe that anyone can learn to sing. I want to know your biggest success story. Wow, that's a big question. It totally depends on the student's definition of success. I always start there. I'll give two examples. I have one female student who I know she wishes to be anonymous, so I'm not going to say her name. That is absolutely fair. who, Who came to me saying that she really didn't like the sound of her voice and she felt like she didn't know what she was doing and she just wanted to be able to sing freely and openly. And I worked with her on, you know, some of the vocal technique stuff, but also challenged her to explore, just sing, just sing in front of other people and stuff like that. We took baby steps. I asked her to start by humming while she walked her dog in public. Oh, Um, okay. And then that which slowly moved on to singing with headphones in while doing chores around the house. So we worked up very slowly. Mm -hmm. And then one weekend, we worked together for maybe six months. 
Oh, wow. Until this happened. But she told me, you know, I went to karaoke and I was really nervous, but I sang on the microphone. And Good. that to me was like, well, of course, it's very rewarding to see my students release music and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. to go from I'm not going to sing because I'm scared or I'm not going to sing because I don't like the sound of my voice to I am now engaging with music in a way that's bringing me joy. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the biggest success always. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. I, and I'm sure that makes you feel good as her instructor. Oh, it, it felt vocal great. Coach. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah, there's so much gatekeeping and there's so many barriers that we put up to singing, whether it's I don't feel like I know what I'm doing or am I doing this correctly? Or it's mm-hmm. I have anxiety around this, how I sound. I, I don't want to be judged. All the pop songs today are too high. Like there's so many barriers <laughs> that stop people from, from, from singing. But I mean, we know that even if you're singing quote unquote badly, you're still getting so mm-hmm. much benefit out of it. And that's that's kind of my mission is to help I love get that. There. So on the Vocal Gym's website mm-hmm. with that, there's a lot of buzz around a science-based singing approach yeah. and how you've been able to prove that it works. So obviously, Tacapella is not a masterclass. I just want to ask you to give us a small preview, like just a taste of what that science-based singing approach looks like. Because I mean, Tacapella is a wonderful show for our guests to listen to, but we don't want to take away anything from your business. If you want to learn more, you can find the Vocal Gym online and, and get in touch with Robert there. And we'll talk about how to do that a little bit later. Yeah, but a, a science-based singing curriculum. So mm-hmm. I, especially because the Vocal Gym is, is targeted towards adults, I really think that equipping people with the knowledge of how their voice works from a mechanical and an anatomical perspective can be quite important. We all know that singing is something that's very much sensation-based. And a lot of singing mm-hmm. coaching happens through metaphor, right? Like even this idea of like, mm-hmm. I feel the sound ringing in my head versus my chest. It's at the end of the day, like I a, think a we lot can of it all, is extrapolation. I think we can all relate to that. Yeah. And so with the vocal gym, we really try to educate people on inside of your larynx, you have the thyroretinoid mm-hmm. and the cricothyroid muscles, which modulate the stretch of your vocal folds. And that's what adjusts the pitch. We go that deep okay. and... We talk about how the breath interacts with the vocal folds and how the vocal folds, Mm -hmm. how the sound that you create from that system, it gets modulated through the spaces in your vocal tract to create your unique sound and whatever vowel you're trying to create so that people can translate the sensations that they feel into what's actually going on mechanically in their voice. And then they have some terminology to talk about, well, what's going on? Let's try to connect these concepts so that when they go when they do ask for help or anything else like that they're starting from a empowered base well i feel like the way you've described that it makes that very tangible for your students and i think back to my days in school and learning something and having something tangible to reference for me was really crucial in helping me internalize whatever it was I was learning. So hearing that kind of approach to singing is really fascinating and and it makes sense to me. Yeah. It makes sense to me that it works. Absolutely. Voice science is a pretty new field. And so- I was gonna say, I I hadn't heard it before. Yeah, there's so much tradition that exists in singing. Mm -hmm. And as a singing coach, I mean, when I was looking at at, at training possibilities, there are so many different quote unquote singing systems out there, some of which contradict each other. And so for me, it's, it's all about, okay, what is objective? And then everything else, let's equip students with the knowledge 
but say, hey, there's multiple possibilities out there. Just being completely transparent and trusting that the student is resourceful and whole, and they're going to do some experimentation to figure out how it applies to them. I love that. I'm going to kind of switch gears a little bit here. Mm -hmm. So we talked a little bit about some projects that you've been working on, and you've got another project. You have so many projects, and I'm so (laughs) jealous because I have so many projects that I want to do. But another project that I found that you've been working on and you have mentioned to me is called the Acapella Collective. Can you share a little bit of background on this? And I kind of want to dive in a little bit to into some deeper questions I've got. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it kind of, a hodgepodge of things came together. Just I feel like this is a common theme throughout my journey. And I felt like, I feel extremely privileged and extremely lucky. I was talking to a friend, Daniel Levski. He's been in the acapella world for a while. And he was saying, I'm looking for something. I'm looking for a group. And I said, well, I'd love to work with you. Let's try and see what we can find, right? And at the time, mm-hmm. I was teaching at Songbird Studios. And mm-hmm. I knew of these two colleagues who were also vocal coaches at Songbird Studios who had acapella okay. in their history. Oh, nice. And they were both fantastic singers. Like, I'd heard them sing at, like, our teacher's showcase. And I said, oh, my God, I need to sing with you, too. And both <laughs> of them were kind of like, well, we did the acapella thing in college. We don't really want to do it, you know? And so I was like... One song, please. Let's just do one song. Okay. Okay. You know, suddenly we had we had an alto. Well, they could both do anything, but we had like an alto and a soprano <laughs> and me and a, so we were like, okay, we need a okay. bass, we need a whatever, we need whatever. And all of a sudden, we had seven people lined up to do one song. Oh wow! And okay. a lot of them hadn't done acapella since college, mm-hmm. but we did that song, and they were like, wow, this was completely different from any experience I was expecting. And I what song was this? The first song we did was "Hey Look Ma, I Made It" by Panic at the Disco. Okay. I think you guys have that on your YouTube. We do have that on our YouTube. And we will plug your YouTube in our final segment of the show. <laughs> Thank you. So what really fascinates me about Acapella Collective is that it, it, from what I've gathered, it sounds like there are some people who are more involved in the project than others. Yeah. I'm curious, does that cause any challenges? What to rehearsals for that like? Absolutely. So, I mean, the, the tagline is we're project-based acapella. Okay. So people opt in to as much as they want. And there's a set okay. expectation set up for every project. So for something like, hey, look, my, I made it. The only way I got these people on board was I said, here's the date that we can all do. We're going to do six hours on day one. We're going to do six hours on day two. And that's it. Wherever we get to oh. at the end of those six hours, a collective zero, zero, one is done. That, that's all That's oh, all you committed okay. to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we just so happened to like it enough that we I had a second arrangement, which was lost in Japan. And uh-huh. we decided, okay, we're going to do another one. And so we set a date, six hours on day okay. one, six hours on day two. That's it. And because people were bought so in, like, they showed up having uh-huh. the music, ha- having learned the music already. Well, and it sounds like they knew what the expectation was. They knew was, exactly so what they were getting that, into. You've got that buy-in, which is awesome. Yeah. That is really cool. That's really cool. Like, I've never heard of any project with acapella that kind of comes together like that and it's structured that way. So I think that's really awesome. I'm curious what the life expectancy looks like for this project. For the entire collective as a whole or for each individual? Yeah, yeah. Is it something that you hope survives for years to come? Is it something that you want to be a long-term thing? And, mm. and if so, how is that something that you would make happen given the individual projects that kind of come along within the whole? So it's all opt-in. It's all word of mouth. So mm-hmm. we have a roster of singers. We're all on a Slack together. Right. We like trade okay, music okay. ideas and somebody proposes a project. Whoever is on board and is local is welcome to join. OK. And Danny and I, we do this. We don't make any money off of this. We do this because it mm-hmm. feeds our soul. It's a passion project. We need to do this. <laughs> it gives us so much energy. And so as I think as long as there's somebody who 
has the energy to organize, which mm-hmm. the organizational list is not that big. It's all project based, right? So we right. weren't completely dark during the pandemic, but the occasional mm-hmm. like, hey, miss everybody kind of message into Slack. Oh, but once yeah. things started opening up in San Francisco again, and by the way, one of the members, Elise, she had moved away and she said, hey, I'm mm-hmm. coming back to visit. And we said, oh, you're coming oh, back. Awesome. Like, we're going to do a project. Let's do a project. Let's do a project. <laughs> And so, yeah, I mean, the collective is as much or as little as we want it to be. And I, so... re- I really like that because it doesn't necessarily require that you have every member with some level of permanency. Yeah. yeah. Especially since you've got like the two days, six hours each day. I think that's a really great way to get more people. Yeah. But yeah. I want to add a little bit to that. I think that the version of acapella that exists today predominantly is sort of borrowed from the college tradition. Of we're all on campus. We can meet for three times a week rehearsals every week. Right. We have these gigs that we can set up, but that doesn't work for a lot of adults, you know, adults who travel for work, adults who have kids to take care of and are juggling multiple things in their lives. And so part of the acapella collective after that first project, we kind of realized there are people who don't want to be in a full time acapella group, but who have like four years of acapella under their belt and are extremely exceptional musicians. We could move pretty quickly. We could put stuff together that's rewarding. We can create these sort of short term, very powerful experiences for people without bogging them down, making them feel like they have a responsibility to something that they don't want to be part of. Right. No, that's awesome. I feel like that's a really great way to manage and mitigate burnout. Yeah. So like for me, I I was singing with an acapella group that was, I mean, we rehearsed on a consistent basis and we had gigs multiple times throughout each, each year or season. And I was in it for six years. I ultimately decided to leave the group because I was experiencing burnout, but I feel like something like the acapella collective is something where if someone is burnt out, they don't have to do the next project. And so I think that I feel like that can only improve your levels of commitment from the individuals who are involved with that. So that's great. When you're in, you're um, truly in. And I think another cool thing that right. it allows for is if you're an arranger and you want four mm. VPs on a song, you can arrange a song oh. with four VPs on a song. It sort of like really <laughs> opens up what's intense. possible. When you're in your own acapella group and you're singing with the same people all the time, you lose the experience of singing with different configurations and different personalities. Right. And I think there's there's so much that can be gained from this from this model. That's amazing. Thank you. So I kind of want to broaden a little bit from this project. You've mentioned to me outside of the episode that you want to explore and establish new ways to engage with acapella. And it sounds like through Acapella Collective, you've done just that. And you've also mentioned, especially for beginners, that there's not a lot of opportunity for beginners in acapella, especially adults, to get started somewhere. So, I mean, many people started in middle school or high school, like like your first exposure to acapella was in middle school. My first exposure to acapella was my second year of grad school. So I I guess I'm a little bit of an anomaly, but I, I know at the vocal gym you've established something called, I want to say drop-in sessions specifically for beginners. Can you share with us what these look like and maybe some other ways that you've encouraged individuals to kind of take a leap of faith and step into acapella? Yeah, I'll augment a little bit. The drop-in acapella falls under Acahub, which okay. is the, basically, <laughs> I, I was doing all these individual one-off acapella projects, and I really just needed some mm-hmm. way to organize my brain and be like, here's everything that I'm actually doing in the, in the acapella world. So I okay. built a website on Squarespace, and it's acahub.co. But yeah, I mean, as you said, I think there's kind of an audition pipeline that starts happening in, in middle school. And if you don't do acapella in middle school, you can't get into the audition group in high school. You can't get into the audition group in college. And then post-collegiate, there's even fewer people who are doing acapella. And I feel like it's just a narrowing kind of funnel. And I mean, we know how much value acapella can bring to lives. I know how much acapella has brought to my life. And so I've been motivated to try and find ways to bring people from the outside 
friends of mine who've been wanting to explore acapella into the world. And so I'm not the first person who's done drop-in acapella in San Francisco. I inherited it from somebody, Richmond. He's a pillar of the acapella community here in the Bay Area. Richmond, I think his last name is Newman, but I might be pronouncing that incorrectly. He... A couple years ago, he just decided to, anybody who wants to come with no experience whatsoever, just come and we're going to learn a couple songs and it'll be great. And so I had heard that these hadn't been going on for a while, so I decided, hey, why don't we bring them back? And so yeah, drop-in acapella, I think is a really good way. It's completely free. There's no experience required. There's no preparation that needs to be done. We learn everything. So there's no excuse to not go if you're in the Bay Area. And if you are are interested in acapella in any way, shape, or form, I just want people to come and experience what it's all about. So we have a very easy arrangement that's layered so it still sounds interesting and people can sort of experience acapella for the first time. How can individuals get connected with that in the Bay Area? So you can sign up for the email list that Akahub has if you go to akahub.co. But that's A-C-A-H-U-B dot C-O, not akahub.com. Yeah, but I also, every time we have an event, I post to the major Facebook groups and the Bay Area also has an acapella listserv, so you'll find us there too. Awesome. You've created a few events as far as I know, to connect acapella with different music scenes. Can you share with me how successful these have been and what others can do to help engage acapella with other different kinds of music scenes in their area? Mm. I actually haven't done any work engaging acapella with other, like instrumental music at all. It's just been oh, within okay. acapella okay. itself. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of acapella happens behind closed doors. In people's living rooms, a couple friends get together, maybe they sing a couple songs over drinks on, on a Friday night or whatever it is. And what we see at these amazing festivals is a small sliver of the pinnacle of acapella, but there's an entire bottom section of the iceberg that we haven't really been touching. And so I think it's really important. It's not crucial, but I think there's a lot that can be gained from connecting people who are in acapella. These are all people who, you know, all the directors face similar issues and everybody could use a new arrangement here and there and everybody could share a gig or two. So I think there's a lot of power in community and a lot of potential to create belonging and other many positive forces that are out there. And so I think it's really important when designing events that create community to consider, first of all, everybody across the acapella spectrum, everybody from beginners all the way to established groups, because without the beginners slash people who are interested in auditioning for acapella, what's going to sustain those established groups? Oh, absolutely. So absolutely. Um, that's why I have both the drop-in acapella, which is aimed at beginners, people who want to get into acapella, not just if you're a beginner, but if you want to get into acapella in the Bay Area, it's a good place to meet people who are doing it. And that flows into the acapella salon, which is an invitational concert. And we basically, I try to pull in groups. We have a very open, anybody who wants to express interest can express interest in performing at this. And I'll try and curate four groups who've never heard of each other at all of different levels. And Mm -hmm. we have a very informal kind of like, let's look at behind the scenes, share your rehearsal process, share a song you're working on, let's do some Q&A kind of networking event. So through the drop-in, which goes into the salon, you get the entire spectrum of acapella in the Bay Area. You start to make connections. And I think that's a really big Awesome. Thank you. We are running out of time, but I just want to say I love what you're doing. Thank you. Keep doing it. Yeah, of course. Thank you. I think that what you were doing in the Bay Area, I think other acapella professionals, those who are passionate about acapella should be following your example and doing what you're doing because ultimately it's going to ensure 
the success and the future of the activity. So thank you. Yeah, thank I, you I'm, so much honestly, for saying I'm that. Just, I'm just blown away. Yeah, of course. As I said, we are running out of time, so it's time for us to take our second and final commercial break. But don't go anywhere because we will be right back with some rapid-fire questions for Robert Lee here on Tacapella. Justin Glodish works at the intersection of acapella and education. And where those two worlds meet is a combination of learning and engagement that can hook students into a lifelong love of the arts. Hear Justin talk with some great guests from both worlds every week on the Aka Education podcast, played here Wednesdays at 9 p.m. East, 6 p.m. West, and Sundays at 10 p.m. East, 7 p.m. West. Asian Pacific listeners can hear it Thursday at 5 p.m. Tokyo time, and Europeans can catch it Saturdays at 3 p.m. London time. Thanks for sticking with us. We are back on our third and final segment of the evening on Tacapella. We've had such a wonderful conversation with Robert tonight. If you are just now joining us, be sure to go back and listen to the rest of the episode on our website. As per tradition, we have a couple things that we do here on the final segment. We have a round of 10 rapid fire questions. Here we go. They get more more ridiculous as we go with them being super embarrassing because I like to embarrass people because that's just just what I do. So Robert, (laughs) are you ready? I don't know, but we're here. So let's do it. So here we go. Ready or not. Question number one, we're going to start nice and easy. Where's the best place to grab a bite to eat in the Bay Area? Oh my God, this is so tough. I am a sucker for (laughs) hot pot. And there's a restaurant out on the West side of the city called Grand Hot Pot Lounge. And this is a all-you-can-eat, all-you-can-drink hot pot restaurant that also has karaoke rooms. So you can do both at the same time. Oh my gosh, I love it. It's great. Question number two. What is your most memorable acapella performance? Ooh. In college, I was singing with the Jabberwocks of Brown University. I was directing as a sophomore Mm -hmm. then. And we got invited to do the International Acapella Festival of Hong Kong. And so I got to direct my acapella group at my alma mater high school and all sorts of other things. But the one performance that I think was completely life-changing, we performed at Queen Elizabeth Stadium in Hong Kong, which I think sits 3,500. It was a stadium set up. Everybody had in-ear monitors and it was fully mixed and produced with lights. It was the most incredible thing ever. I I don't think I I am so jealous. It was so much fun. (laughs) That's amazing. Question number three is also nice and easy. Cats or dogs? My sister got a cat, so I have to say cat. Oh, you know, I appreciate that because I actually have three upstairs. Well, there we go. <laughs> I also have a husband. Not to worry. I'm not just a crazy cat lady. I see. Is he the fourth one? Quest- uh, yeah, we'll go with that. He's, he's the fourth one. He can act like them on occasion. <laughs> Question number four, back to some acapella experiences. Tell me about your most embarrassing performance. Ooh, embarrassing. Again, with my college acapella group, because of course, all the mm-hmm. most embarrassing things happen in college. <laughs> but I was singing, we were at a corporate gig in New York City, and I was singing feeling good oh yeah specifically the michael buble big band version uh-huh. that has towards the end like everybody cuts out and i am supposed to do this huge run and i went mm-hmm. and uh and my voice completely cracked at the top <laughs> so much so that i actually went I, I completely stopped and i was like we're doing that again and the audience laughed and, I, and, I and so it ended up fine i was incredibly embarrassed but i'm proud of myself for pushing through it good for you good for you yeah and, and you lived to tell the tale and i did yes all of you yeah. other singers out there who've ever had a vocal break that happens just let it happen everybody understands it's fine. Love it. What is your go-to road trip song? The first thing that popped into my mind was Life is a Highway, Rascal Flats. Love it. 
Who would play you in a movie about your life? Wow, this is a tough one. Who would play me in a movie? I don't know. I'm just not very good with <laughs> pop culture. I don't really know who the actors are these days. Uh, I think, oh, I don't know. Maybe Paul Rudd. He seems relatable. Oh, he's great. He's great. Yeah. He's one of my faves. What is the, okay, this is a very serious question that's really not a ridiculous one, okay. but maybe I should have put this at the beginning. Because you're a vocal coach mm -hmm. and a director, mm -hmm. what is the worst thing you can do for your voice? Ooh, not listen to your body. Oh, so okay. if you're feeling like you're if you're, if you're feeling like your voice is going away because you've been screaming at the top of your lungs for too long, you have a sore throat, take a break because it's when you push through those moments that you end up with lacerations and and nodules and stuff like that that we don't want to talk about. Good to know. Mm -hmm. Listen to your body. Listen to your body. All you all you listeners out there. Exactly. Don't listen just to us, Not just but to also us. your body. Or both. Or both, yeah. What are you binge watching right now? Or what's the last show you binge watched? So what is the name of the show? I think it's called F1 Drive to Survive or something like that. But it's it's a show that follows the Formula One. I'm sure very dramatized, but it's every episode is a story <laughs> and it's like a battle between two different teams. And it's like, it's incredible. I would recommend it to everybody. I love that. That's awesome. I will have to check that out. Question number nine, name one artist you'd like to collaborate with. Collaborate with? Tori Kelly. Okay. Yeah, I think she's an amazing musician. The control she has over her voice is amazing. She obviously knows her stuff. You hear her runs. They're, you know, incredibly intricate and well thought out. I, I don't know. I'm a huge fanboy. It sounds like there's some science behind it. There probably <laughs> is. Yeah, there probably is. Love it. Okay. So I, I mentioned that these questions get more ridiculous as we go, but really it's just the last question that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And I have a really odd sense of humor. So it's a, <laughs> it's a would you rather question. Here we go. So I hope you are ready for this. Would you rather when in a crowded room fart loudly and have everyone laugh <laughs> at you or be the only one laughing obnoxiously when someone else farts? Ooh, I, you know, I think a good <laughs> fart is something to be celebrated. I think if I were in a crowded room and I farted and everybody laughed at me, I would probably applaud myself. You heard it here. That's the way to go. There you yep. go, friends. Better out than in. All right. And that concludes our round of rapid fire. So Robert, thank you for sticking it out with me. That was that was amazing. We like to wrap up the show by giving our listeners something they can take and remember. So if you could offer some advice to our listeners about anything on your mind, what would it be? Ooh, this is a huge question. I feel like I have to be wise now. Here's one. If you have an idea, don't just go for it. Take a little time to think about what is the easiest version of this that I can implement that will take the least amount of work and try and do that. And I think a lot more people will... I think the hardest part of doing anything is getting started. So that's a principle that I've used throughout my career. It served me well, and I hope that maybe it'll help you. That's phenomenal advice. Thank you for that. And thank you so much for coming on our show and sharing your insights about acapella and the projects you're working on to propel it forward. Thank you for having um, it me. Is, yeah, of course. It has been such a pleasure. If our listeners want to learn more about you, the Vocal Gym, Acapella Collective, or any other projects you are working on, where could they find you? Absolutely. So the Vocal Gym, if you know, wherever you are in your singing journey, if you're looking for a little more consistency and maybe a little guidance, you can find us at thevocalgym.co. The Acapella Collective and the Salon and the Drop-In Acapella and 
hint hint acapella retreats might be coming soon all of that Ooh. can be found at acahub.co that's a-c-a-h-u-b.co and my website is rleevoice.com i'm also on twitter at rleevoice i am a complete twitter noob i am a what's a baby <laughs> bird called I'm a, I'm a little twitter chick maybe you could call me so i'd appreciate what is what is a baby what bird is a baby called? bird called yeah a chick it's a, a chick, chick right i would think yeah i think so yeah. yeah you know anybody who who wants to engage with you there i'd love your guidance on how do you set platform effectively because i haven't figured it out yet <laughs> you know i could use that guidance as well <laughs> we should tweet at each other every day we could we could Done. i'm all about that accountability <laughs> you can find me on instagram at e.squared1989 as well as on twitter alicia.edwards19 also so be sure to check out Tacapella on Twitter at Tacapella. That's two P's and two L's. You can also check us out on our website, tacapella.org, to listen to previous episodes. And of course, we can't end without thanking Acaville Radio for giving us this incredible platform to talk about the world that is acapella and meet with artists who are making a difference in an activity that we hold so dear to our hearts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, listeners. That is a wrap on tonight's episode. For everything else, stay tuned.